The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. We worship in the spirit of Charles Wesley, who said, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, and truth and love for all to say, see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, we begin our worship each Lord's Day with a moment of prayerful pause, meditation, and confession. May our spirit in these moments, as the choir sings with us, be that of Thomas Aquinas when he wrote, Give us, O Lord, steadfast hearts which no unworthy thought can drag downward, unconquered hearts which no unworthy purpose can wear out, upright hearts which no unworthy purpose may tempt aside. Bestow upon us, O Lord our God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness that will finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, let us pray. The Apostle teaches, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
a lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 112 with the Antiphon. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in God's commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They are distributed freely. They are given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. rise as you are able for the uh, singing of the Gloria and the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Glory to you, O Lord. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, 
not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Those of us who studied at the feet of Professor Robert McAfee Brown can hardly hear that verse without hearing his voice lifting it with a lively, earnest energy. Professor Robert McAfee Brown came to Union Theological Seminary for three years, the three very years that we had washed up on the same shore. You will, over time, of course, sift through to determine which of your teachers have been transformative, who have formed, but also who have transformed, and those who, in that brief shining moment with us, had a chance to study with him were so influenced. President Shriver found a way to bring Sidney and Bob back to Union after 20 years from the sunny west coast where they had earlier been formed in the voices and teaching of Tillich and of Niebuhr 
and of Tarion and of Knox and of Scherer and of Heschel and of Fosdick and Steinle and all. I think they felt, Sidney and Bob, that they owed it to their forebears to come home for a while. You see the way that life transposes work, that hospitality outdoes ingenuity, that grace influences intellect. You will, of course, over time, determine those women and men whose formative influence has meant most to you. That first Christmas, he gathered some for a, a smaller party, and he brought uh, email, that is, um, he had brought telegrams from, ostensibly from the North Pole, all of which played on the, the word clause, the last of which being a commendation to Union's liberal tradition and the clause struggle, workers of the world unite. Some uh, months later in the uh, summer, he officiated in James Chapel at a wedding of friends, and there cited Jeremiah, follow ye the old paths, and much to my appreciation, though it was uh, striking in that time and it's that setting, he said in caution to the couple, there are many things you may share, but not the most intimate. Dining room, yes. Bedroom, no. Some months later, he and Sidney gathered 10 couples in their Riverside Drive apartment. And they had a special guest, a relatively young Jewish scholar from New York who also had a newborn connection to Boston University and whose book we were later to use as students and teachers over many years. The book, Night, the Scholar, Ellie Wiesel. Robert McAfee Brown was a model of teaching and influence, largely because in a forest of specialists, he stood out as an intrepid, un uh, unredeemed generalist. He was interested in the university part of university life, whether it was Stanford or Columbia. If he were here today, he would have been at the Martin Luther King celebration university-wide to hear the Inner Strength Gospel Choir, whom you've just heard all 50 or 60 voices of them. Herbert S. Jones, their conductor and director, writes the words and music of what you hear each week, like Bach did years ago, and like every sermon is prepared afresh for the morning. Brown would have been attending the university lecture once in autumn where an honored professor is given the chance to speak to the whole university. He would have been enthusiastically present at matriculation and commencement and baccalaureate, and one suspects in the university service of worship at Marsh chapel. He would have read B.U. today with glee and gusto and found his way to the universal parts of the university, those things that matter and mean most and hold us together. Finally, at last, in the, in the final semester, some of us found seats in his course titled in the same way his book had been, The Ecumenical Revolution. This was a course about Vatican II, this is a sermon about Vatican II. Now you'll sense the way you're, I can't get anything past you. The rhetorical device of the sermon is moving to nudge you to consider those transformative influences in your life and also to reflect on a person, Robert McAfee Brown, born in 1920, 
for some of you who will still be preaching and teaching in 2060 in the same way that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are written across many decades and generations. Sidney Thompson Brown said at the time of his death, he was grounded in the tradition, but the tradition could not contain him. He had many specialties, theology, history, ecumenism, mission, liberation theology. He continued to evolve and change and grow, grounded in the tradition, but the tradition could not contain him. That uh, spring we studied with him what he had seen from 1962 to 1965 in Rome, the great Second Vatican Council that had been inspired by a moment, a dream in the evening uh, at the end of 1959 when Pope John XXIII, that thankful, happy, rotund Italian pastor, gathered from the corners of the earth leaders in the, in the principles now of continuous reformation, study of scripture, collegiality, ecumenism, dialogue, mission, the role of the laity, and inclusion of the separated brethren. That's you, Sherman. That's you, Mark. That's you. That's all of us together. And for three years, there was a, a clean wind blowing a new and a fresh start. Now, Boston, I honor what you have done in the last several months to remember. Good for us. Martin King, I have a dream in August. The Civil War, the Gettysburg Address, the death of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, and even this week, 50 years ago, the arrival of the Beatles at the Ed Sullivan Show. But you have missed the chance to celebrate an even greater anniversary to light a birthday candle for the ecumenical revolution which Robert McAfee Brown taught, which John XXIII inspired, and which opened a new day of aggiornamento, renewal, updating, change. Real change is real hard, but it can come even to large, venerable, historic, religious institutions. All through those years, Brown noted he was, the, he was the Protestant observer at Vatican II and brought for the rest of his life a chance to tell the stories of John XXIII, which we remember today between his birth in 1920 and your teaching in 2060, to keep that spirit of the universal interest alive. We have given a great deal of attention over the last 50 plus years to varieties and particularities. There's something to be said for that which matters, counts, lasts, and works for all. So Robert McAfee Brown, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That can and should mean for us in part to begin three applications first, one Lord that we may find the freedom to serve. Service can draw together when doctrine can push apart. So many stories there are of Mother Teresa. One documentary from some years ago showed her with the Sisters of Calcutta visiting the Tenderloin District in San Francisco 
where they were about to begin a ministry with battered women. The contractor, I think, had volunteered his services and his, his energy and his uh, means showed a beautiful home that he had redone with furniture and rugs and draperies and beds and mattresses and all silver and china. And she took notes, the documentary follows. She listened, she noted. At the end of the tour, he said, Mother Teresa, is there anything else that I can provide for you? And she thanked him, complimented the beauty of the space and said, everything can go except the mattresses. We'll keep the mattresses. He said, what, what's the issue? And she said, well, we are going to be directly in ministry with people who are going to need our very selves and we want nothing to come between ourselves and our ministry, but we will keep the mattresses. Friends, the gospel of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ is that substance is ever the victor over form. Substance triumphs over form in the cross and resurrection of Christ and frees us serving to serve together. Agionamento is to find the freedom to serve. One faith Agiornamento is the freedom to listen to one another. We have, over the summers, been the beneficiaries of faithful children of Vatican II, who one evening, over the repast that summer provides, spoke warmly of what a weekly service of Eucharist can mean in their home tradition. She said so memorably, I'm just so thankful when I receive the Lord's Supper. I am so I am grateful that by happenstance we grew up in a time of uh, aggiornamento so that I could receive the tutelage of another Brown, Raymond Brown, S.J., so that I could teach still do at a young Jesuit school, Le Moyne College, so that I could benefit from the administrative leadership of two and two different settings, Roman Catholic administrators, so that I can read Boston University Professor Jay Corrin's new book on the liberal Catholics of England in the 1960s. The Catholics in my life have made me a much better Protestant than I ever would have been, a less poor Protestant than I ever would have been, and for that I'm truly grateful. We can listen to one another. Your choir is guiding you if you will listen this year. They are providing in four parts Bach's B minor mass, another coming in just two weeks. Do you know a recent book by John Eliot Gardiner traces the question of whether this not fully finished, no final written script, no glowing title, B minor mass, may well have been less Lutheran and more Catholic, less Protestant, and more Roman. You are being touched and guided this year silently in music through the choir in a move from one to the other, as someone once wrote, Bach's music straightens out what life never can. Bach's music brings order to what life never can. We have the freedom in a spirit of aggiornamento to listen carefully to the stories of one another. We know this in our experience. So a man, after some counseling and therapy, realizes and can describe 
the trauma in which he has lived for 20 years, and so a clean wind blows, and there's a renewal, an opening, a change. So a woman in care and medicine or surgery is healed of an illness that has come upon her, and a clean wind blows through uh, care received from nurses and doctors. So a man is given the freedom in work to try something different and to fail. And in that failure, he learns more about himself than ever he would. And a clean wind blows, and he knows his undiscovered self better. A couple in consultation realize that this isn't going to work unless we make serious aggiornamento, renewal, change, updating, and so a clean wind blows. Or a student, a freshman, or a sophomore comes to worship in Marsh Chapel, maybe with the Inner Strength Choir, and realizes in the singing of hymns and the reading of familiar scripture that the legacy of religious teaching which he or she has received will be an anchor to the windward for her or him in the four years of college experience. There is in aggiornamento one faith, a capacity together to listen. We also, in one Lord and one faith, share in one baptism together. That is a capacity for real and significant change. Sometimes we can despair that change can come at all, but when we look back 50 years to what happened in those years 1962 to 1965, we can see a glowing example of what openness and what spirit and what change can come to us. You know, I think of those who I've known in my lifetime who have given up their own denominational history and name. The Methodists in the Dominion of Canada gave up their name and joined together in 1925 in the United Church of Canada. Leaders whose names and personalities we've known, David Luba, Joseph Yackel, and others, gave up their evangelical and united brethren heritage to become a, a part of an emerging, fuller United Methodist Church. Playfully, our dean and friend at one point, listening to our own love, and it's sincere, lifelong, for our own denomination, Methodism, in a column wrote, is God a Methodist? I think he expected the answer, no. That is, there's something fuller in the life and in the faith of the church that may lead us to something different in our own time. We have a number of listeners to our service in Albany, New York, twice in the summer and three more times during the year. Members of five urban churches gathered together. Now these are churches that have the struggles of most urban churches, limited budgets, old buildings, boilers that are on the edge, roofs that are questionable, few in worship, but three times during the year and twice in the summer, the Lutheran, Baptist, Congregational, Presbyterian, and Methodist churches gather in one sanctuary, and there's warmth, and the hymns are lifted, and the body is full, and one wonders whether they might not do that, not just three times a year, but week by week, and not only in Albany, New York. Aggiornamento is the freedom not only to serve, not only to listen, but to provide a space and a pathway for significant institutional change. The gospel of the cross and resurrection is that substance ever 
triumphs over form, substance and service, substance and listening, substance and a capacity to change. Beloved, this year, as we find our way together, may we not ask one another whether the further words of Thomas Aquinas could also be ours. Bestow upon us, O Lord our God, an understanding to know you, a diligence to seek after you, a wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness to embrace you. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Aggiornamento. We come now to a time of prayer in our service. I invite you to remain seated, to stand, to kneel, or come to the altar rail. Assume a posture of prayer. As our choir leads us in our call to prayer, lead me, Lord. prayer of the Apostle Paul. Grant me your mercy, my Redeemer. Redeem me, for I am yours, the one who has come from you. You are my mind, birth me. You are my treasure, open for me. You are my fullness, receive me. You are my rest, Give me unrestrained maturity. I pray to you who exists and pre-exists in the name raised up above every name, through Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Ages. Give me your gifts without regret through the child of humanity, the spirit and advocate of truth. Give me authority, I ask you. Give healing to my body when I ask you through the one who brings good news and redeems my soul, enlightened and eternal, and my spirit, and open my mind to the firstborn child of the fullness of grace. Grant that no angel's eye has seen and no ruler's ear has heard and what has not entered into the human heart, which became angelic 
and was molded in the image of the living God when it was formed in the beginning. I have trust and hope and place upon me your beloved, chosen, and blessed greatness. The firstborn, the first brought forth, the amazing mystery of your house. For yours is the power and the glory and the praise and the greatness forever and ever. And now as children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be always with you, and also with you. We welcome you once again to the nave of March Chapel, and hope you'll take a moment to help us to get to know you better, so that we can help you to get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. Um, today we'd like to welcome the Inner Strength Gospel Choir and conductor Herbert Jones. Uh, we welcome you this morning and thank you um, for your ministry of music. Today is children's ministry. Um, please look for Jamie Dingus during the last hymn as she leads the way downstairs. And for all other upcoming services and activities, we encourage you to keep an eye on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. 
Now walk in love as Christ loves us in offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious God, all good gifts around us and within us come from you. And so we give you thanks for inner strength and outer radiance. We give these financial gifts for the building of your beloved community. And here in this moment, this day, we give you our lives as we promise to be disciples of light and salt and justice and joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, creator, redeemer, and sustainer be and abide with each one of us now and forever. <laughs> 